I found myself in town for Women of the Word rally. Women of the Word is hosting a conference for women in October, and I was here for that event. And I suppose this is just my home church in Chicago. So I showed up this morning. If I lived here, this, this would be my home church. So uh, I'm, I'm one of your southern sisters who's here for a visit this morning. But you didn't come to hear me. You want to hear from the Lord. We want to encounter God. So would you just reach out to God this morning? I want your attitude to be, if God's going to do anything for anybody, I'm his person. I'm here to encounter God. I'm here to, to experience all that God has for me. Now, Father, you know the hearts of these people. You know the lives of these people. You know what's behind. You know what's ahead. You know where we are. And now I ask that something supernatural would happen, that I would be gifted by the Holy Spirit to speak beyond my understanding. I would be gifted by the Holy Spirit to minister to the needs, that I would be gifted by the Holy Spirit to teach and to lead and to guide. So come, Holy Spirit. This is your church. These are your people. I'm your messenger. Now do what needs to be done. We open our hearts to hear, and we believe you shall speak and minister. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We all have one thing in common. We're involved in living life. When this church service is over, every one of us will exit this building, and we will live life. We are all involved in the life situation. And there's no way that we can separate our lives into neat little segments. We cannot take what we do here and call it spiritual. We cannot take what we do in the world and call it secular. Because life is a whole. And God intends us to, to experience him, not only here in what we do in church services, but God expects us to experience his power, his anointing, and his reality as we live life in the world. Most of our time, most of our efforts are spent outside of the church. Uh, tomorrow, we're all going to go and live life. And we're going to spend the greater part of that day with a sin-wrecked generation. We're going to find ourselves in situations where there are people who are not listening to God. There, there are circumstances that are not initiated by God. Uh, we'll spend eight hours of our day in a job and time before that getting ready for the job. Then we'll spend time out in, in the world doing the things that have to be done to live life. And in that life situation, God has given us, as his people, a divine assignment. And it is recorded for us by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. And this is what Paul tells us. That we are to live blameless, this means uh, to live a life that there can be no criticism of us as Christian people. That we're to live blameless and we're to be harmless 
children of God without rebuke. Now, listen to this last phrase. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation that God tells us we're going to experience the greater part of our lives in a crooked and perverse nation. That we're not going to find ourselves living life with Christian people. We're not going to find ourselves in Christian circumstances. God tells us that our assignment is going to be in the midst of crookedness. It is going to be in the midst of perversity. Would you agree with me? This is a crooked and a perverse generation. Uh, evil is escalating. And God goes on to say that we are to live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now here's the assignment. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. So there is to be visible evidence of God's anointing and power upon each one of us, not in this church setting, but in the situation of life lived in the world. We are to shine. We are to rise to the top of the heap. We are to have evidence that the invisible, true God is living and working in us. Paul goes on to write to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, he says the same thing. He says, you are our letter. Speaking to the Christian people he administered to, you are our letter written in our hearts. Now listen to this. You are known and read by all men. So God expects us to be a living Bible, so to speak, a letter that people read a letter that people can know, that there is a God who works for us. God is not intending to be cloaked, to be anonymous. He wants to make a clear statement through our lives in the midst of crookedness and in the midst of perversity. Paul goes on to say, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle, the letter of Christ, ministered by us. There is to be a manifested declaration that God lives in us, Amen. that God works for us. And that is to happen out there in the midst of life. In the life situation, God wants there to be a declaration that God is at work for us. Now, all of us who've lived in the world know it's very hard to shine out there. All of you who have jobs out there find it hard to shine. Uh, it's just difficult to shine when you're in the midst of crookedness and, and perversity. My son Gary phoned us one day. Gary said, Mother and Dad, he said, uh, someone gave me tickets to Kenny Chesney's concert. Now, Kenny Chesney is a famous country western singer. And Kenny Chesney's coming to Atlanta, where we live. And Gary has tickets. And he said, they're outstanding tickets. Said, we're right down front. He said, we're, we're just right there in front of the band. And he said, you and Dad have never been to a Kenny Chesney concert. And he said, I want you to go with us. Said, we're taking the grandchildren. And he said, uh, you and Dad go with us. 
So I talked to my husband about it. My husband told me he didn't feel led to go hear Kenny Chesney sing. But Grandma's kind of an adventuresome woman, so Grandma feels led to go. So I agreed to go. Now the grandchildren phoned me, and they said, Grandma, you're going to a Kenny Chesney concert. Now, Grandma, don't wear your church clothes. Whatever you do, don't look like a church lady, Grandma. Don't wear your church clothes. So they told me how to dress. They told me I had to wear jeans, and, you know, I, I couldn't look like a church lady. So I, I promised them I would not look nor act like a church lady at Kenny Chesney's concert. So on the night of the concert, here we are, right down front, just like my son said, we could reach out and touch the stage. And before Kenny ever comes into the auditorium, my son, who's on the opposite end of the row where I am, the grandchildren, wives between us, sends me a package. And I open this little bag. It's full of cotton balls. And I sent back a message, what are these for? And Gary sent back this message, you'll figure it out. You'll need them later. So I just sort of held on to my, my little bag. And sure enough, the band hits this note, and my ears pop. And here comes Kenny from the back of the auditorium. And he's on a swing. And he's got on his cowboy hat. And he just swings right over us and lands on the stage. And when he hit the stage... Everybody in that arena stood up and never sat back down again. And everybody begins to boogie and dance and scream and holler. It was so loud I couldn't hear what Kenny was saying. And I got a revelation of what the cotton balls were for, so I put them in my ears. And I'm trying not to act like a church lady. So I'm trying to put a little beat, you know, so I look like I'm having a good time with Kenny and the grandchildren. Now these little 420-something girls are in front of me, and we're on folding chairs because we're right here on folding chairs in front of the stage. These little four girls are in front of me. They have huge paper cups full of beer. And so they stood up on their folding chairs with their cups of beer and start boogieing on the chairs, and two of the chairs collapsed, and they fell to the floor, and two cups of beer go all over me. So now I don't even smell like a church lady. I don't even have the smell of a church lady about me. And oh, they turn around, ma'am, we're sorry, we're, we just apologize, and I said, look, it's okay. It's a Kenny Chesney concert, and I think it'd be very hard to dance on folding chairs holding cups of beer, so I understand this. It's okay. It's okay. And I'll tell you, this went on for like four hours, and when I went home about midnight, between midnight and 1 o'clock, my husband was in his reclining chair working his crossword puzzle. My hair was out of shape because it had been covered with beer. I reeked of liquor and alcohol and cigarette smoke. And cotton balls are in my ears. My eyes are crossed, and I'm staggering in in clothes that I hate. And my husband took one look at me and said, I knew I wasn't supposed to go. 
And I found it very hard in the midst of that crookedness and perversity to shine like a light. And that's just kind of the way life is. We find ourselves called to live in that. We don't live here. We live out there. And we find ourselves in life situations where the world can just contaminate us. And the world can overcome us until we even lose the feel and the appearance and the testimony of being a Christian. So I want us today to consider a man in the Bible. Uh, he's, he's very familiar to us because one whole book in the Old Testament is dedicated to his story. If you're a Bible student, he's quite famous to you. His name is Daniel. He was a, a Jewish man, and he found himself in a life situation over which he had no control. Daniel lived in the land of Israel, and he lived there at the time when the Babylonians invaded Israel. And the Babylonians completely uh, destroyed the land of Israel, destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, and took the best people out of Israel back to Babylon as slaves. It was a benign captivity, meaning that they weren't horribly mistreated there. But nevertheless, they lived in a foreign country under a very perverse and idolatrous government that even down through the history of the Bible, the name Babylon stands for evil. And Daniel, historians tell us, was a 17-year-old boy when he was carried away into captivity. I assume that his mother and father died at the hands of the Babylonians because they're never mentioned again. Daniel was put in the court of the eunuchs, and we do not know if he himself became a eunuch, but there is evidence that he could have become a eunuch. And he, is, he lives the rest of his life in Babylon. And he finds himself in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And he will never again return to his homeland. And he found himself in a situation that was far beyond his control. He had no control over it. A tyrannical government was over him. There was nothing he had to return to. The land had been completely destroyed. And he lives the remainder of his life in captivity under foreign governments. But yet the, the beauty of Daniel's story is what the Bible tells us about that. He actually lived through three different governmental reigns. Babylon was defeated by Media, and Media was defeated by Persia. And Daniel lived through all three of these wars. And this is what the Bible tells us about Daniel. It says, The king of Babylon made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him a ruler over the whole province of Babylon. And he made him the chief of the governors and he made him over all of the wise men of Babylon. So here's a 17-year-old kid that started his life in captivity in the house of the eunuchs 
and he rises to great position. And he lived his life shining into that culture and testifying of an invisible true God that was even mightier than the idols of Babylon. He did quite well in Babylon, even though he was in a circumstance over which he had no control. And then we are told that Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius the Mede and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So in all three governmental reigns, Daniel did well. And if you read his story, you will find that he far exceeded anyone else who is in the story. Uh, he did have three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And according to Daniel's story, those guys did quite well too. So Daniel teaches us about doing well in a sin-wrecked culture. Daniel teaches us about how to shine as lights into the darkness of the world where we really do live life. And I want us to consider some things about Daniel, and it will affect our, our lives. Now, in order to, to cause this to work for you, you have to begin with reality. And reality is that sometimes life just takes you where you did not want to go. You just did not want to go there. Uh, sometimes you find yourself in jobs that you really didn't want to have, but it's a job. And you, you just have to have a job, and you have to earn money, so there you are. Some of you have found yourselves in divorce. You never intended to be there, but there you are. It's, it's just where life took you. And sometimes in life, something or someone other than God seems to be in charge. Uh, in Daniel's situation, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, seemed to be in charge. And, and life is like that. There's just this course of life that seems to be anti-God and anti-Christian, and it takes us where we did not want to go. It puts us in situations where it seems someone else is running the show. My husband was invited to speak years ago in a full gospel businessmen's uh, meeting. This was an organization that was quite uh, famous among Christians back in the 70s and 80s. And my husband was going to be a speaker in this conference where these men were gathering. So we drove into this city and our motel uh, was one of these motels where you actually pull your automobile up in front of the room. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't a hotel, it was a motel. And we were told that uh, a certain person would pick us up. We had never met this person. We just kind of, you know, knew that someone was coming. So at the appointed time when our pickup was to arrive, I heard an automobile pull up in front of our doorway and I peeked out the curtain of the motel room, and sure enough, there was a nicely dressed man and woman getting out of their automobile right in front of our motel. So I opened the door, and when I opened the door, they said, hello. And I said, hi, how are you? And then they said, are you ready? And I said, yes, we are. 
So we gathered our things, and my husband sat in the front seat with the man, and I sat in the back seat with the woman, and we took off. And the man was a talker. So he's telling us this is a historic building, and this is where we were in the South. This is where General so-and-so came through during the Civil War. And, you know, he's pointing out all these historical things. And my husband finally said to him, well, tell me a little bit about the full gospel businessman. He said, well, I know very little. I know nothing about that is what he said. And we just sort of, you know, shrugged because we figured he was the chauffeur. And he didn't know a lot because sometimes chauffeurs don't know a lot. So, you know, we didn't think anything about it. So I said to the wife, I said, where do you attend church? And she said, we're Roman Catholic. And I said, well, praise God. I said, can the Holy Spirit have his way in your church? And she just sort of opened her mouth <laughs> and never answered me. You know, just kind of a blank look. And then she said to me, she said, let's see, you two came here from Florida. I said, no, we came here, and I mentioned a town about 50 miles north. We came here from there. She said, what were you doing up there? I said, well, we were teaching a Bible study. And again, her mouth <laughs> fell open. Now, by this time, we're about 15 miles out of that town on the highway, and it's dark, and we're just kind of chatting so for the second time, my husband says to the guy, tell me something about full gospel businessmen here. And the guy said, I've already told you, I know nothing about that. And I saw my husband's head go sideways, and my husband said to him, who are you? <laughs> and we're in the wrong car with the wrong people. These are military people taking us to a military banquet to honor us at a big state dinner on a military base about 20 miles outside of this town. And we're in the wrong car. And, and they don't know us, and we don't know them. Wrong car, wrong people, wrong destination. Uh, that's just the way life is. Knocks on your door, you get in the car, and you think you're going in the right direction, and a month later you think, uh-oh, wrong car, wrong people, wrong destination. I prayed for a woman at an altar, and she was having me pray for her marriage. She said, Sister June, I woke up after my wedding night and rolled over and looked at Bubba and thought, dear God, I've caught the wrong bus. She said, that was what I thought. I have caught the wrong bus. And we've all caught the wrong bus. So, you know, we had to go back to the motel, and they had to find their people. And our people were 30 minutes late. They, they apologized profusely. And we said, oh, it's okay. We never even told them. We were so dumb, we got in the wrong car with the wrong people going in the wrong direction. So some of you are that way. I would dare say the greater number of us out there in the world have never heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God. A uh, great majority of us have never seen the blinding light of glory. Very few of us tomorrow morning on our 
world situation is going to feel the tingle of anointing, that, that pleasure that God's in the house. We're going to go into the midst of a sin-wrecked culture, in the midst of perversity and crookedness. And if we stopped and received testimonies, there would be those of you who would say to me, somebody else seems to be in charge, and it's not God. There would be those of you who would say to me, uh, life's taken me where I didn't want to go, and I find myself here. So you can be the victim of circumstances, bad jobs, bad marriages, lost jobs, no money, sickness in your body. But in that life situation, we have to do what I believe Daniel did. We have to add faith to the equation. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John 5, 4, faith is the victory that overcomes everything that happens in the world. And when we live by faith, what we do is we put God in charge of the program. And in the midst of Babylon, Daniel did not live under the thumb and authority of Nebuchadnezzar. He lived by faith, and faith put God in charge of his life. And you read Daniel's story, and again and again and again, it will say, God gave Daniel favor. God made Daniel smart. God caused men to favor Daniel. And because that is what faith does. It takes us from being victims of circumstance to victors over our circumstances. And there's a great big difference between being a victim and a victor. And the difference is to live by faith. Because faith will rewrite the story. Hallelujah. And faith will take every bad thing that happens and turn it around and work good out of it. So that Daniel probably did things and lived at a, a degree he never would have lived if he had stayed in Israel. Because God just took, took his faith and took him to a great, great height. In 207, our son was hit head-on by a drunk driver. The drunk driver died instantly. By the grace of God, our son didn't die. But in surgery, his heart stopped, and they had to work to resuscitate him. And because he was without oxygen for a period of time, he comes out of that, and the doctors tell us he's a vegetable, brain damaged, and that he will live the rest of his life on a feeding tube. And, uh, you know, that's just the best they can do. Uh, they allowed us to see him in intensive care. He was a vegetable. He looks just like these comatose people you see on television. His eyes were open. He was posturing, but he wasn't there. And the doctors tell us there's no hope. Best we can do is a feeding tube in a nursing home. And so we stand in the middle of a hotel room, two a hospital room, at 2 o'clock in the morning, and the doctors say to us, there's just no hope. And so we responded to that doctor, and we said, we thank you for what you've done. We know you did the best you could, and we appreciate you. But we said, there's one thing about us you don't know. We are a praying people, and we believe, we believe in a mighty God. And the doctor said to us, Mr. and Ms. Evans, we know you believe that, but I'm telling you, that's not going to happen here. He's a vegetable. 
He is a vegetable. So my husband and I did what the Bible tells us to do. We went into intensive care, anointed him with oil, prayed the prayer of faith because the Bible promises us if you pray the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And we did that. And they loaded him into an ambulance to take him to Birmingham, Alabama to put him on a feeding tube with a neurologist. And we followed the ambulance to Birmingham. And uh, that was about 7.30 in the morning. At noon on Saturday, the accident had happened on Thursday night. At noon on Saturday, the doctor came out of intensive care in Birmingham. And he said, Mr. and Ms. Evans, I don't know how to tell you this. And I don't know what's happened. But he said, we monitored your son as he traveled by ambulance. And he said, the truth is, mile by mile, minute by minute hour by hour, he began to improve. And he said, we have done all of the tests, and there's just absolutely nothing wrong with your son. He said, we're going to take him off the ventilator. And they took him off of the ventilator and sent him home on Tuesday. He did not even have short-term nor long-term memory loss. He was totally, completely restored and the accident happened on Thursday. He went home on Tuesday and went back to work the following Monday. He's a CPA. And he's alive and well today because faith rewrote the circumstance. Faith was added to the equation. And the bad thing was turned to good. Thank God for faith. All things are possible when we believe. We have to be a people of faith so that God can work the bad to good. Now, the, the second thing we learn about Daniel is that Daniel rose to great potential, and his potential was in God. The Bible tells us that, that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were given, I'm going to read it from the Bible, God gave them knowledge, skill in all learning, and wisdom, and Daniel could even understand visions and dreams. And the king communed with them, and King Nebuchadnezzar found none like these four Jewish men, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than the people in Babylon. Now here are teenagers. You know, historians say these were teenagers. And they're in the midst of this Babylonian culture, and God made them smart his way. They had great potential not in their own understanding and in their own abilities, but in the power of God that worked for them. And God rose them to great heights because they were able to tap in to the potential and the power of God that was available to them. So that when Nebuchadnezzar had one of his dreams, it was Daniel that was able to tell the king what his dream was about. Uh, Daniel was smarter than any man in the empire. Daniel was not book smart. He was God smart. And he could look beyond the seen into the unseen. Amen. And the Bible says that God uh, did such a work in these four that they were found ten times better 
Now, it is said to me that we as Christian people, particularly those of us who are baptized with the Holy Spirit, have the great, mighty Holy Spirit at our disposal, and we do not take advantage of him. I tell people to have the Holy Spirit living in you and not gifting you with what he knows and what he can do is like having a computer in your home and living with it turned off. And you have great access to things, but you never turn the computer on. The Holy Spirit has come to talk to you. The Holy Spirit has come to gift you. The Holy Spirit has come to raise you up into great potential so that you can go beyond where your own mind can take you, where your own ability can take you. God can make you smarter than the most educated man in a firm, the most educated woman in a firm, because God can give us his potential. There's no mind like Christ, and we have the mind of Christ. The problem is we just don't live in that kind of potential. Most of us are just living, asking God to help us, and we don't rise into the potential of God. Now, I was uh, 58 years old. That's a long season ago. I'm in my 70s now, 72, so that was, you know, 12 years ago. 12 years ago, I was sitting in my church with my husband on the front row, our son Mark was preaching. And our son Mark was preaching from Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he was telling our congregation that with God there are no limits, that you can do all things as long as Christ is involved in it, and that we live far beneath the potential that God has for us. That was his sermon. He used himself as an example. Now, I'm his mother. I know this story. And he said to our congregation, I began ministry when I was a 12-year-old boy. Our children's pastor said, I need someone to help me in children's church. And Mark said, I went to Pastor Ed and said, I don't know how to minister, but if you'll teach me, I will help you. And he said, even as a 12-year-old boy, I just stepped into the potential of God, and I began to minister to children. When he was 14, the praise leader said one Sunday morning, we do not have enough guitar players. Come see me if you can play the guitar. Mark went to the praise leader and said, I can't play the guitar, but if mother and daddy will buy me one, I'll learn to play it and become part of the praise team. And so we bought the guitar. The next Sunday, he's on the platform. Now, he's not mic'd up. He's hidden among the ferns because he can't play. But within a year, he could play and write his own music because he believed he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. When he was 16, he taught himself to play the piano. And, and he, he's quite good at playing the piano because he believed God's potential was available to him. When he was at ORU working on his master's degree, his dad and I visited him. His dad said to him, Mark, while I'm here, I need a haircut. Who cuts hair? He said, Daddy, I cut hair. And he cut his daddy's hair because he just believed he could do all things. Now, he's telling these stories, and I'm his mother, and I know they're true. I lived it. And something rose up in me. 
that I myself, his own mother, had never risen to God's potential. And God showed me something, very carnal. I had bought fabric to cover dining room chairs. And I had saved my money to get this fabric. It's what I wanted. Cost more than I could afford, but I saved my pennies and bought it. Called an upholsterer to cover my chairs, and he wanted so much money I couldn't afford it because I'd spent all my money on the fabric. So I had folded the fabric, and it had been in the drawer for months. A decorator in our church had said to me, June, is simple to cover dining room chairs. You unscrew them, you cut a square, you staple it on, and then you just put the screws back in. She said, it's a, a snap. I said to her, no, maybe a snap for you. I'm not artistic. I'm the thinker. I'm the reader. I, I don't do things with my hands. I don't paint. I don't arrange flowers. I'm the thinker. I'm the reader. I don't even sew. I lose the victory trying to sew a button on. In fact, Mark took sewing in high school because he said somebody in our family needed to know how to sew, and I blessed him. I said, go for it, son. We need somebody who can sew buttons on. I'm just not good with my hands. But something rose up in me listening to my son. So as we were getting ready for bed that night, I said to my husband, I said, you know, God spoke to me during Mark's message, and Gene said, what did he say? I said, the Lord told me that I'm to cover my dining room chairs. And Jean said, no, 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 don't get a witness to that. I said, I am, I'm going to cover them. He said, you'll ruin the fabric. I'll come home, you'll be in the middle of the floor crying. I'll have to come up with money to buy the fabric again and to get it covered. He said, no, no. I said, no, God's told me to do it. So I go to Home Depot the next day, buy me a staple gun, get my scissors, my screwdriver, put the fabric on the floor and look at it, broke out in a cold sweat. So I marched around it seven times like Joshua did Jericho. I sang over it in the spirit and sang over it in English. I prayed in tongues, prayed in English, prayed on my black, prayed on my face. I bound, I loosed, I cast in, I cast out, I travailed, I did everything I knew to do and finally took the scissors and cut it. And that night, Gene came home and he said, what did you do today? I said, well, I covered my dining room chairs. He said, you ruined them, didn't you? I said, well, go look at them. So he went to look at them, came back and said, Jim, they look perfect. I'm surprised, I'm amazed. I said, I know, I surprised myself. I said, Gene, I am 58 years old, and all these years I've had an anointing to staple, and I didn't know I could do it. I did not know I could staple. And I said, darling, don't you worry. If the zipper in your trousers tears up, I'll staple that sucker together. Can't sew it together, but I can staple that sucker together. Just staple your buttons on. And I'll tell you, I just got liberated. I walked around the house. If it moved, I stapled it. If it uttered a word, I stapled it. I just walked around looking for things to staple. Now, it was just a freedom to me. Call my daughter-in-law and say, I'm buying fabric. I'm going to cover your dining room chairs. She didn't even want them covered. And I'm over there covering her chairs just freedom. 
And one night I was laying in bed just thinking how much I enjoyed stapling. And then I, I thought, I wonder what potential is in me that I never have tapped into. I wonder what I really could do if I made an effort. I wonder how smart I really could be if I could link up with God. I wonder if I really could resurrect someone from the dead if I just try. What kind of potential is in me? See, people live and die and never tap into God's potential. My father lived and died. And even though he was a Christian, he never discovered what God could do with him and in him. And thank God Daniel understood God's potential. And then we find that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced supernatural power. Now, if there's anything we need in this generation, it is supernatural power. We need the manifestation of that which goes beyond man's ability. This supernatural power of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. These Jewish boys uh, found themselves in a horrible situation because they would not bow down to the Babylonian God. And the Bible tells us the fire was so hot that when the Babylonians opened the doors to throw them in, the Babylonians were killed by the heat and the flames. And these, these three young men were thrown into the midst of that furnace, and a fourth man appeared with them, and they came out of that furnace unburned, hair not even singed, no smell of smoke. There was this supernatural thing that went on. It was not just natural, it was supernatural. Daniel himself refused to quit praying when the Babylonians passed a law and said that no one could pray to any god but the Babylonian deity. And Daniel just got in front of his window where he always was, and he prayed, and he was thrown into a lion's den, and God sovereignly stopped the mouth of the lion. And Daniel was delivered because God did something supernatural. Now, we, we fail to understand that when there is no supernatural testimony from us, God loses his testimony in the world because there is an attack against Almighty God today. Amen. Our culture has lined up all the demon gods and said that our God is equal to them. Not so. There is one true God. And the way this one true God makes himself known is when he does something supernatural for us. And we need supernatural power. Diseases are outrunning the ability of medicine to conquer them. We need supernatural power. In an economy that is failing, we need supernatural power. In a, in a weather situation where tornadic winds are more powerful than man can answer, we need supernatural power. We need the Holy Spirit to manifest like he has never manifested before. And when these three young men came out of the fiery furnace, this is what the Babylonian king said. I make a decree that every people 
nation, and language which speak anything amiss of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that those people shall be cut in pieces, their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver like this. That's a testimony. A testimony. Same thing was said about Daniel when he came out of the line saying, there's no other God who can do this. When our son was healed, the doctor that was in charge of his, his you know, bad report went to our son and said, I saw what God did for you and my life with God has changed because I saw God do something real. People from that hospital called us. A woman called us and said, my aunt suffered a a stroke on the operating table and she's brain damaged and a vegetable. And she said, the medical staff here at the the hospital told us to call you because your son was in worse shape than she is and we want to know what kind of therapy you did for him. And we said, prayer therapy and Holy Ghost therapy. See, a testimony, a testimony. So I say to you in this culture, live by faith. Rise to God's uh, potential and let power work. In the name of Jesus, I release supernatural power over every one of you. That in your jobs, in your situations where life is lived, in your circumstances, that circumstances will change to a calling, that bondage will change to a blessing, that problems will become promotion. I speak that over you. The power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit shall manifest in visible ways that cannot be denied by the world and that they will have to acknowledge that a great and mighty God is at work in you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're in a bad situation, stand to your feet right now. You really need God to manifest. Just stand where you are. I'm going to pray for you. You need God. You need His faith. You need His potential. You find yourself where you don't want to be. You may have caught the wrong bus. Satan may have put you in the wrong stream. But life hasn't gone well for you, and you need God to intervene. Father, I stretch my hands toward this part of the auditorium, and I thank you now for faith rising in your people. I thank you for the potential of God, that God will make these people God smart, and that there's just going to be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, my little sister right here, The Lord said to tell you that from this day forward, his hand will be upon you and he's going to give you favor with people and he's going to open doors in front of you that you could never open for yourself. And he's going to take you where money cannot take you. He's going to take you where head smarts can't take you. He's going to take you where your own mind cannot take you. He's going to take you further than you ever thought you would go. He's going to raise you beyond people who are better than you, smarter than you, who have more money than you. He's going to elevate you because when I stood in front of you, I saw the hand of God upon you. And it shall remain, saith the Lord and shall lead and guide you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You're about to become a testimony for God. God's going to write a a testimony out of your life. You won't even have to say a word to people. Your life is going to testify. 
Even the, the mouths of the critics will be still and they will say, God did this. There has to be a God. He did this. He's going to make you a testimony. Get ready. Where Satan has tried to ruin and testify, God is about to testify in the name of Jesus. I stretch my hands toward these two center sections. And I thank you, Lord, for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for the faith of God rising in their hearts, for potential being worked out of their lives, and for a great supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God. In the name of the Lord. My brother right, right here in the middle, I, I see seed, but it's under a rock bed. I, I see seed, and it's trying to push up, but there's a, a rock bed. And Satan has put a rock bed on your seed. But today, when I looked at you, I saw the power of the Holy Spirit blow that rock bed to pieces. Hallelujah. It became dust. And God said, your seed is about to spring. Your seed is about to grow. And where things just haven't been happening for you, growth, promotion is coming, saith the Lord. Because what Satan did to stop it, it was blown to kingdom come by the power of God today. And the rock became dust in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's somebody in this section that needs wisdom from God. You're in a situation and you're, you're thinking, I just need some wisdom. If that's you, receive the wisdom of God right now. Just receive it in Jesus' name. I saw God just giving wisdom where you need wisdom in Jesus' name. And Lord, these last two sections, I stretch my hand toward these people that the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit will manifest for them, that great gifts and potential of God will rise up. And I thank you, Lord, for faith being born in their hearts. I, I, I just see somebody here, and you're at a dead end. I don't know if that's the job. I don't know what it is. You just feel like you're at a dead end. And God said it's not a dead end. It's a new beginning. Hallelujah. I don't know who that's Amen. for. But it's a new beginning, not a dead end, a new beginning, saith the Lord God Almighty. And I bless all of you with the potential, the faith, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, thank you for having me. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. I just really feel that that was the right message for us today. I just want to praise God for having June be in our area and being here today just to minister to us because I, I really sensed that uh, we're here, we were here for a purpose this morning. And uh, she said, well, maybe I just came by accident. I just came with somebody. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. He's got a purpose for us hearing a word from God I feel we've heard a word from God, and we're going to receive an offering and, and uh, then go on our way, but I want us to receive a, a generous offering to bless Sister June for being here today and blessing our hearts, giving of herself last night today. What a blessing it's been. I feel this really was a message that was applicable for our situation. Sometimes we're living in that, that place where we're going in a place we don't want to be, working with people we don't want to be with. Uh, you know, we didn't say with people we don't like, but 
whatever. You know, we're, we're in a thing. And uh, we need that, that equipping, that power of God, wisdom, miracle, strength. God is on the throne. And we've just been saying, you know, there are miracles being born, and we praise God for. If you have your envelopes ready or just the offering ready, give rejoicingly this morning that we can bless our sister that's been with us because it wouldn't be right uh, for us to have somebody in and minister to us, as the Bible says, spiritual things that we don't minister back, natural things uh, to cover her expenses. What a great blessing that we can be here uh, today. Amen? Amen. Dean Molenhauer, why don't you ask God to bless this offering and for our sister? Amen. Amen. Multiply it. Believe God for multiplication. And as we give, we're going to trust God to minister to you and for your giving. If the Lord will, will bless you. While they're doing that, let me just remind you, table is in the lobby uh, with the uh, community groups for us gathering in communities, as uh, Pastor Darrell shared in a vision Sunday, and uh, nine different suburban areas. Uh, stop by that table so that the, the host will know how to plan. And it's very simple. Just bring meat for your own family, maybe a dish of pass or a dessert. And uh, the last Sunday of the month, we're going to join in areas and find out who are the other people that live around us so we know who our neighbors are who come to church. And then you can sign your kids up for in a minute. What a clever, great idea. This, uh, this isn't a professional pro uh, program that you buy. This is one that our people have created. And we're going to believe God for a great VBS starting last week in June. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord this morning and go in his peace? And uh, more than just going, be challenged that God will help us to exercise the gifts that are resident but haven't been birthed to fruition yet. I believe God can do some things through us. And I'm looking forward to good reports of what God wants to accomplish with wisdom and strength and insight and knowledge that we didn't even know we had. God can work in you. Have faith like Daniel did. And let's be ten times better than, not in the natural, ten times better equipped than all the other people that we are with, working with in our job. God can do great things. The ancient blessing says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. Amen. May the Lord smile upon you, be gracious to you, and may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And everybody said amen. amen. Receive it in the name of the Lord. Greet one another as you go. Stop by the table and just have a great day, and we'll see you in all the events. Picnics on Wednesday. Uh, be here in God's name. Amen. Be blessed.